everyone, and welcome to the Levant X podcast, where we discuss political and cultural issues. Today, I have Brady Black on the line with us. Brady is sitting here waiting to be introduced. I just wanted to give you guys a little bit of background. Brady has been in the country for a while in Lebanon. He had a school called Home for Hope, and I hope to hear more about it. So Brady, thank you for being on the line with us today and joining this conversation. All right, thank you. Brady, now that you have the attention of our listeners, I think it would be great to understand, you know, why did you come to Lebanon and why did you set up Home for Hope? Um, and unfortunately, you lost it during the Beirut blast, I believe. Um, if you Close. can give us, yeah, if you can give us some details on that, that sure. would be wonderful. It'd be really interesting to hear. And obviously, just a little bit about yourself. Sure. Uh, my wife and I came to Beirut about six and a half years ago, and we we were working in partnership with a children's home called Home of Hope. We started a school called uh, Hope Academy that worked in partnership with this uh, children's home. And so the children's home uh, served abused and abandoned children from all over. That Lots of them didn't have uh, any kind of ID at all. Uh, so we had kids from Iraq. We had kids from Sudan. We had kids who didn't know where they were from, where they were just kind of found on the streets. And so we worked with them uh, and they'd never been to school before. And so a lot of them had, or I would say all of them had traumatic experiences from their parents, sexual tra uh, tra or traumatic sexual experiences, lots of abuse. And so they had never been to school before and they had really, really uh, difficult behavior problems. Uh, and so my wife and I and a team that joined us later, we tried to work with uh, these kids using some more modern ways of uh, helping kids with that come from traumatic backgrounds as opposed to the classic way of just like, oh, this is a bad kid. Let's, you know, just bring the shahada on them or something like this. Uh, we were able to, uh, to, to use more of a, like a caring approach, uh, a way that is uh, recognizing the issues that they come from and they face. And it's a slower approach, but it's, a, it's one that works. And uh, so we were able to do that for about five and a half years. And then we had to close it. Uh, because of COVID, government problems, uh, economic issues. And so we're still in the country because through that, we were, my wife and I were adopting uh, one of the boys from the home. Uh, and so he's been with us for about four years and we're fighting the court to get him uh, identification. He has no papers whatsoever, no birth document, no anything. And so we're fighting to essentially make him exist. And so because he can't leave the country, we can't leave the country. So we're, uh, we're stuck just like everybody else. You know, uh, Brady, when I, when I read that, that you were trying to adopt a child, um, I think that was the most uh, emotional thing that I had read in a while. Um, there's so many struggles. There's so many children on the streets. You see them every day. Poverty rates are, ra are rising. Crim crime rates are rising. You know, these children are being brought in and used um, to beg to a pickpocket, um, they are abused, they're sexually abused, um, and, and you shining a light on this is, is, is quite epic, especially since you're not even Lebanese um, or <laughs> Arab in that sense, you know, um, yeah. that you've come here and felt like you, you, you had to stay, you had to adopt this child, and you had to sort of bring peace to these children. Now, um, we are lacking all of these uh, resources in the country. You know, we're struggling with these resources in the country. Even 
Lebanese children with SOS and Caritas and stuff like that are struggling to be adopted or processed. Now, the child that you are currently trying to adopt is, I, I know he has no papers, but is he Lebanese or is he a refugee that got lost in a um, here? Did his parents pass away? Was he, technically, what's the story behind that? Yeah, t technically he would be Lebanese if his, his father refused to uh, accept him. Uh, and so, because his father refused to accept him, his father is Lebanese, we know who he is and where his family is. Um, and so his father has refused, his family has refused to see him, they've never met him. Uh, he's lived his entire life uh, in the children's home. And so he came to live with us when he was about 14, uh, 13, 14. And so now he's probably around 18. Uh, and, you know, and so now we're able to get moved past like the children's uh, issues. And now we're trying to get him official documents. And then from the United States side, we would be able to work with him. But from the Lebanese side, we're just trying to get him to exist. It's crazy. Now, even though this father, I'm guessing you've had contact with him um, since you know where he is, um, there's no way that he can help or is just completely not getting oh. involved in this process at all. Uh, he, he, I'm sure he'd be willing to help. He wants money um, to help. So, yeah, yeah, it's, you know, it, it's really messy, you know, because now they, you know, when they hear that foreigners are involved and they, you know, they see, oh, yeah, I'll be happy to find this for, you know, X amount of dollars or something, you know, and it's just not something that we agree with. Uh, and so, but his, I mean, he's never met his father. His father's never met him. You know, his mother has disabilities. And so she wasn't able to take care of him. And that's why he had to go to a, a home. Uh, and so we've met, we've met his father's, or I'm sorry, his mother's family, you know, and we're, but we know. It would be easier to meet the mother's family, but she's in a situation as a female in the country. We don't really have any rights. So she can't really pass exactly. on the citizenship. Exactly. She wanted exactly. to. Yeah. Um, and so that's really the issue, you know, and, and for us, we are, we like Akram knows, you know, that we know where she is and when he's ready, we want to, we want him to know his mother's family, but his father's family is, you know, it, it's, it's really unfortunate. Now, now that his, I'm guessing his name is Akram, you just introduced him to me. Lovely to meet you, Akram. Um, I'm guessing Akram is 18, does not not, he's considered an adult here. Um, I mean, how hard is this now for you to try to go through this adoption process since he's not a juvenile anymore? Uh, well, it, I mean, we say adoption because it was, it, it basically, that's the easiest way to talk about it. In Lebanon, he's not possible to be I mean, we wouldn't be able to adopt him. Um, but for uh, in, the in the United States, we would be able to adopt him. Uh, and so what our hope is to be able to do is to uh, work with the, get him documents, uh, birth documents and travel documents to then be able to uh, try to work from that from like the U.S. side, you know, because of his, you know, he's an extremely vulnerable status uh, here and he needs lots of help, you know, emotionally, psychologically, you know, that can be afforded in, this, in the U.S. differently than they can be afforded here. So we're, we're busy fighting and until then we're stuck. And so, so we're, we're here like everybody else, you know, and uh, so it's a, it's a weird situation. It's a weird situation, but it's an inspiring situation. And um, oh, I thanks. think a lot of people will really appreciate hearing your story, especially those who might not be able to get the chance to do what you're doing and would like to help and like try to help. 
So um, I think it'd be really interesting to give this story some light, create some awareness on this to see yeah, how, how we can try and find you some support and some help here. Um, all of us struggle fighting the courts or trying to get a paper done in, the pro in, in any way, shape or form. So um, yeah. any, any way that we can help here, I'm sure um, anyone who yeah, well, will reach we out. We would appreciate so, it. That's at we don't have the Black. Water. You can find him on Instagram. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Yeah. Um, I think, you know, what we would need to hear is what type of issues you're actually facing to see if anyone is listening can help. Um, I'm not sure how you have highlighted this issue in the past or who you have spoken to or what lawyers you have on here. So um, if there is anything that you would like to shout out that you do need some help with, um, if anyone is listening, I'm sure they'll get in touch with myself or with you directly on Instagram. So, yeah, that would be perfect. I'm just going to give you a moment now to just sort of highlight what challenges you're facing and what type of resources you you need to see how we can um, possibly uh, garner some attention. Yeah, our biggest issues are being able to get Akram uh, a birth document. He should be able to get a, a non, or he should be able to get a passport, like a, a non, I forget the word of it, uh, a, a stateless passport. He should be able to get a stateless passport. All of these things are very possible for him because he's 18. He was raised in a, effectively an orphanage, and so these things are available. But it's all just gummed up in the you know in in the court system. Uh, and so anybody that has pull or wasta in that in those areas, uh, we would be very appreciative. Uh, so feel free to contact me, uh, you know, or contact Sophie, and we'd love to talk about it more. Awesome. Okay. Um, have you got a lawyer on this? Oh, yes. Okay. Co copious amounts of lawyers, I'm guessing. <laughs> yeah, we have, we have a couple lawyers in the States, lawyers here in the, in Lebanon. So yeah, we're not trying to do this alone. Thank you. Know, so we're, we're, we're trying to figure out how to, how to make this happen. So anyone listening that might be able to advise Brady on this, please do get in touch. Now, Brady, let's just move on from Akram for the moment. I'm sure, you know, your your mind is blasted with it, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> you, you have been doing a lot of other things in the country. Now, let's touch on, you said, you know, um, the Hope Academy did sort of have to come down. It was hit hard by COVID. It was hit hard by the financial crisis. Maybe the funding stopped trickling in. Um, but you said that you are trying to sort of revive it and get it back on its feet. So um, where are we with that? Um, in terms of that, we've the, the Hope Academy itself. We've had to you know we've had to close uh, permanently. Um, we the Hope Home of Hope, the children's home, it still exists, uh, and so that that still exists and is going on. Um, we've had to move away from the, uh, you know because the Hope Academy didn't work, and we were needing to try to move, uh, you know, trying to spend all of our time working on getting Akram stuff so we could then, you know, be able to leave. And in the end, we thought that this was going to be able to be much faster. Uh, and so we're, you know, because we're stuck here, you know, that's what we're working on. Um, for me, what I'm working on now is working to try to involve uh, like some of the skills that I've been able to acquire through working with the children that come from these difficult backgrounds uh, and trying to pass that on to you know just the public at large uh, working with kids and seeing kids that are on the street 
as something more than uh, a pest or even just the yaharam or any of this kind of stuff of how to actually try to help them. Uh, so I'm doing these things uh, through artwork and also through uh, using Instagram to try to shed a little light on because it's scary like for kids I'm not for it's scary for someone who wants to help because probably everybody has tried to help at some point and it went poorly you know like they they bring out their wallet or their purse and suddenly they're swamped by 25 kids or they try to buy a kid a sandwich and you know they they get swamped by you know all these kids and then there's a fight and then the restaurateur is mad at them you know and so it's difficult, but there's a lot of little tricks that you can do. And so I try to highlight those pretty regularly on my Instagram channel on how to work with these guys, you know, what to expect, uh, you know, because it's, it's difficult. Like these, these kids are, are, are in survival mode, you know, and so you're buying them a sandwich because you think that's nice and it is, but for them, this is, you know, this is life and death kind of stuff, you know, like wars are fought over resources, you know, and like you bring out some shoes you know, and like those are resources and people will, they will fight over it. And in a lot of people in, you know, in the city, they get really offended because they think it's like, oh, these kids are not polite or they don't thank them properly or any of this kind of stuff. And so really I want to, you know, and that's kind of natural thing if you haven't really addressed it before. And just to kind of be able to say, hey, you know, when you're doing these things with these kids, like, don't like, you're not you're not doing it for their thank you because in that sense you're exploiting you know it's like that that's the payment you know it's like i'm going to give this to you for free as long as you appropriately appreciate me you know it's like no and i can feel better about myself exactly exactly you know and if you don't and then oh my gosh these kids they just took it and left they didn't even say thank you and you know it's like well we learned how to say thank you from families or culture or whatever these kids are just trying to survive you know and so just trying to help people with that perspective because a lot of people would want to have a different perspective they just never you know they just never had that experience before i was talking to a guy just on on monday you know or i guess yesterday and and you know and he was like very interested in helping you know these uh kids and he's like very feels very compassionate towards him he lives in hamra you know and he's like and i've tried and it's always gone so poorly you know i'm like well i'll tell you right now why you why i went poorly you know and it's like and it's no fault of yours that's you, you don't you didn't know how to do that. I didn't know how to do that. I just worked for six years with these kids, you know, and, uh, and whenever I go down and work on the street or go do art on the street and, you know, whatnot, it's like, man, all the kids know me, you know, and, you know, and it's like, they, you know, when I'm painting murals or whatever, it's like, I feed them lunch and we feed breakfast and, you know, and I would sit and talk. And then even people who do this kind of stuff, who give, uh, you know, like, resources like shoes and things like that like whenever they show up it turns into madness and i'm like oh you guys are doing it wrong like you, there's a way to do it where it's much more controlled and respectful there's no yelling there's no you know it's like in these in these kids they know they, they know you know they know that you respect them you know and there's just a few little tricks just easy stuff to be able to you know help that go better for everybody where it's not turns into like a you know a red riot and uh you know and, and it goes into a red riot one time and then someone who actually would want to help them they'll never do it again because they're like oh my gosh that was terrible yeah they 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 was they were either put off or scared or not too sure how to yeah. manage the situation or yeah as you said they sort of they do they gang up on you and and then suddenly you're like you've handed out like maybe a million lira because it's just yeah. they just keep coming <laughs> and it will never so. and, and and then you feel bad and so I, I i try to address those kind of psychological things you know as the person who is in the position to help you know of how 
you know, like there's some innate things we don't really think about. It's like, Hey, it's not, it's not your job to fix all of this. Yeah. You know, like you go into this situation and you have an answer. Like I try to encourage people to say, you have a thing that you are going to do. Like for me, like I'm in Humrah, like almost every day, you know, and I see the, and I'm, I don't, I don't go buy lunch for everybody that I see. It's like, I buy lunch on these days from this hour to this hour, you know? And it's like, but I wasn't there. And I'm like, man, I'm sorry. You know? And it's like, I like, I will be here this time to this time, you know? And, and in that way I have some sort of boundaries that I'm able to keep to say, Hey, whenever I, have the money i'm going to go buy milk the powdered milk and i know that i'm going to go give it to fatima who's on that corner she's on that corner every day and when i go over there and i give it to fatima and then i'm you know bum rushed by everybody else it's like it's okay that i in my head i go i don't have the ability to buy milk for everyone but i decided that i was going to buy it for fatima now on that day and i'm going to give it to her you know and then i can look everybody else in the eye with great compassion and say I'm sorry, you know, and it's like, and I think that's the thing to be able to say, like, I'm not here to fix everything, you know, it's like, but I can give Fatima milk today, you know, and that's good for her. And it's, it, it makes, and I also recognize it's good for me as well. Like I get to be a human. I see that she has these needs. I have the ability to meet one of those needs. I can't meet all of her needs and I can't meet everybody's need, you know, and it's like, and if I do that, I go, okay, great. You know, and so I try to encourage people to say, just go on, you know, pick a day and at noon on Wednesday, I do this, but I don't do it for everybody. I just do it at my block, you know, like I go where, where my areas and, and I try to get, encourage people to know their names, you know, cause like, that's one of my big deals is like, what is their name? Know their names. Because once they, once you have a name, then they're no longer, you know, just this, a beggar or yeah, you build a relationship or exactly. It's like, it's Fauzi. You know, it's like, yeah, I know Fauzi, you know, and Fauzi's a rascal, you know, and it's like, he always going to try to steal stuff, but that's okay. Like, you know, and it's like, and when I see him, we give him a high five and, you know, and I'm like, wait, do you steal from me today? And he's like, no, no, walla, walla, no, you know, I'm like, okay, you know, and it's just like, it's, it comes from, you know, years and years of working with kids from that background that it's like, we look at it as stealing for them. It's like, it's, it's survival, you know, and, and, and yeah. there's a, it's an education where we have to say, hey, this thing that was survival for you is now like anti-survival. Like it's going to get you hurt, you know? Yeah. It's like, but these kids grew up with that perspective, you know? And so psychologically it's like, you know, how this, how I kept myself better, how I did these things you know, are now having to change that. And so just really trying to give the kids grace, you know, while also not just thinking all of their behavior is okay, but also knowing that it comes from somewhere. It's not just that these are, these are bad kids and it's like they didn't do anything wrong i mean these kids are 10 yeah they were born here you know yeah. and like they've been living in terrible situations they weren't it's not given like, a choice no you know it's like they didn't give a choice it's like and, and for me furthermore if i have someone listen to me long enough i'm like what great choices did i make to get me in this situation you know it's like you know even some of my peers are like well i worked really hard it's like well how did what part of working really hard did you get like you went to a university well, how yeah. did you even get there how did you get to the school to even get to university? How did you pass school? Your parents, this, that, you know, what passport you have, what language you speak, yeah. you know, the house that you lived in. It's like the vast, vast, vast majority of my life was dictated by stuff that I didn't have choice over, you know? And it's like, well, that's okay. I don't feel bad about it. I go, I look at that as a responsibility and say, as opposed to trying to berate myself and say, oh my gosh, I come from such privilege. I go, I come from privilege. So damn it, use it. 
yeah. you know, and exactly. <laughs> like, don't forget, Agreed. don't, yeah, don't go and say, oh, I'm privileged and I'm going to race to the bottom to the, um, you know, and I'm like, no, screw it. Like I speak English. I have an American passport. Like, holy crap. Like I can, I can I do can so help. much stuff. So oh, go, yeah. go do stuff, you know? And it's like, and if you make mistakes doing stuff, keep, just learn, yeah. you know, and, and go do it. You know, it's like, like I was just going to ask you, I mean, like coming here, do you, do you don't, you don't have any form of educational background. You, were you a teacher or were, were you involved with yeah, children's before? I was a university teacher, okay. uh, you know, but I was a university teacher in the U S and also in the Gulf, in the Khalij and Oman in the UAE. Okay. And, uh, but then, and I got the opportunity, my, well, my wife hated the, the Gulf. <laughs> so she was like, Hey, we've been here like five years. We're not going to be here five years more. Born and, and raised. Stuff. No worries. I understand. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, yeah. So we were there, but, you know, and you know, Amber did not love it, but in the end, you know, we, she was like, let's look for another thing. And an opportunity came to start a school for these children. And I, I mean, I had no idea. I didn't even know anybody who didn't have like advanced degrees. Like my, my whole life was in universities. I taught at universities. I got multiple degrees in universities. I, I worked at universities. Like I, that's just my whole life. I didn't even know anybody who didn't have a university degree. And then I came and saw this home of these children. And I, and I didn't know that this even existed. You know, it's like they had cigarette burns on their faces, their head, their heads are shaved because of lies and all of this stuff. And it, and it's like, and there were just lots of them. It was 70, someone, and they were just all swarming you. When I first saw it, I, it was so overwhelming. I, I just left. I just, I had to, I left and, and just start, was just crying because I, I had no idea that this was in the world. And, and it's actually a whole lot more of the world than my little university bubble. And so I was really confronted with the idea of saying, well, here's your option. You can go back and work at universities or you can go and jump in the pool and figure out, see if there's something you can do to work with these kids. And, and give uh, them a better life. Something. Yeah. You know, it's like, just go and do it on swinging, you know, and it's like, yeah. go see. And, and we had no idea about trauma. We had no idea about any of this stuff. And so we got, we went there. And I, I spoke Khaliji Arabic. And so I thought that was going to be really advantageous. It, didn't even, it was a mess. And I was like, man, my freaking Arabic doesn't even work here. And I worked really hard to speak Khaliji Arabic. And, uh, you know, and so for five and a half years, you know, it's like just learning all about trauma. My wife is in the, our partners that came along, you know, it's like they just immerse themselves in what happens to a kid who's grown who grows up in uh, an environment that's lacks care lacks nurture lacks uh, attachment uh in addition to just normal abuse even kids who were raised in institutional homes and so we learned all about this and we're able to create a program you know about uh, how to how to work with these kids but it's like i didn't know any of this kind of stuff you know and now when i'm out on the street like i go i hold like art classes down on the street with these kids you know, and it's like, they've never, they've never colored. They did, they've never colored. They don't know how to hold it. And I'll stand there with their, with their parents and their parents will say, they, oh, they don't know how to do it. They don't know. They can't, they can't. And I'm like, well, it's okay. Like, just come on, you know? And it's, a, you know, and it's like, even their parents are saying, you know, saying that they can't already, they can't color. You I know, think, not, I think the allowed. parents maybe are scared that if you do get them into color, they're going to want coloring pencils or something and they can't yeah. afford it. It, I mean, that could be it, you know, as well. You know, so they're, they're embarrassed for them to engage with things like this because they can't keep providing them sure. with these materials. 
and that, that could be it as well, you know, and I try to engage with the parents there as well. And I talk to them and say like, Hey, if, if you want colors, I can get you yeah. colors, you know, and this kind of stuff. And so, you know, and there's a, there's a boy, Ali, who I work with quite a bit and he, you know, he's, he always digs in this trash in the same spot. And one day I saw him and he had a little bitty thing of colors. Like he, I was painting a mural and he'd never had them before. And so he was painting, but he, but he didn't have a brush or anything. He would lick his fingers and and paint on this thing and i and he, i knew he wanted me to see it but every time i walked over to him he would be really shy about this kind of stuff you know and uh he, he didn't want me to see it but he did want me to see it and you know and it was like to be able to say ali like hey let's let's color together yeah you know let's just you know and it's like and there's no great lessons it's just being seen you know and being just seen, like let's, being heard being accepted yeah, being like, understood me, yeah tell me what story, like, I, you know, like, tell me the stories or whatever, or some of the people that are they're like, oh, they're just lying to you. I go, I don't care. <laughs> they're telling, it's like, they're telling me the story they want me to hear. It's like, that's, that's fine. I do the same thing. You know, it's like, that's what Instagram is. You know, that's, that's, like, that's the story I want people to believe about. Me, you know? So, you know, with these kids, it's like, it's just, just listening to them, you know, and then, you know, they came late and they didn't get food. And I'm just like, and I stick to my guns, not in a harsh way, but just saying like, Hey, you know, I'll, I buy food at two o'clock, you know, and, they're, and they're like, I don't have a watch. I was like, well, you can ask somebody it's at two o'clock on this corner. I'll have food for you, you know? And it's like, but if you don't, that's okay. You're not going to, you know, I'm not here to solve your food problem. Yeah. You know, and it's like, and I can't gonna... anyway, <laughs> no, I can't, you know, and it's like, I'm here, you know, and it's like, and I have some other rules of just like, you know, they all know that I don't buy their flowers. They all know that I didn't ever give money. And I'm like, they called me, you know, Amu Manushe, you know, and it's like, you know, it's like, I, <laughs> you, know, you know, it's like, they know that I buy Manushe and they know that I will color with them. It's like, I don't give these, you know, and I'll, if, if they're a, a mother with kids, then I give milk when I can, yeah. you know, and, uh, but it's like, you know, they're always asking like, Hey, can you help me with this? And I'm just like, eh, this is what I do, you know, and yeah. be able to, and way I try to encourage others to have that answer. It's like, this is what I do. Yeah. It's, it's not like I, you know, I was like, I buy sandwiches at this time at this day and i have this much money to buy sandwiches you know and then i try to help them give the ideas like don't like with my with these kids i they, i never let them come with me to the sandwich place you know i make them stay away so that it doesn't turn into the swarm you know and it's like and whenever they i buy the sandwiches i ask the guys to cut them in half and to separately wrap them so that if there, I give everybody a half, and then if there's, if if suddenly there's a swarm, that's okay. Then I give, I have more, and then if there's not, then I give extra, and they'll give it to their their little brothers and sisters, and you know, and stuff like that. And you know, I say, and they know, they'll, they'll soon know who you are, you know. And it's like, and these are, this is no, a good. They end up, they end up respecting you. I mean, uh, we built relationships with uh, some of the boys that were in Marmchayel and Shemaze, exactly. Especially in the days where you'd go down there after work and have a drink, and they were there. We knew all their names. They would come and rap with us, you know. Exactly. To a point where they didn't even come and expect us to give them anything. They just wanted to come and have a chat. So, exactly. Um, yeah. Now they're real. Now you're just a real person, you know, yes. that you're actually. Yeah. And I, and, and, and to I, be honest, all of us, when, when, when the bomb blast <laughs> happened, we were all super scared, you know, where are these kids that we know that we, yeah. that we love, that we've joked with, yeah. that we've laughed with. And, and one of them ended up, you know, being, uh, passing away. Um, wow. 
the yeah he uh, the balcony fell on him and nobody oh, wow. knew where he was for weeks and then they they wow. established that uh, most likely he's passed away so you know and they and they and and a lot of people that did know him is you know my my age um yeah get up on their instagram they they you know rest in peace they sent him love so well, I do understand where you're coming from. They do respect you when you do come up with these boundaries. You give them some form of discipline. You give them something to understand and process in the chaos of their life. Uh, yeah. You know, I know Brady's going to be there at two o'clock. I have some stability. I can go and see Brady at two o'clock, you know? Right. Um, let's move on a little bit from the children. Sure. It's a bit emotional. <laughs> so it's hard for me to handle this first thing in the morning. Yeah, welcome. Um, <laughs> But uh, I do want to talk to you a little bit about the art that you're doing. Um, instead of using photography and pictures, you are, you know, putting them into murals and creating visual art. Uh, and it started with the 2019 revolution, I believe. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So can you tell me a little bit about this? You know, what are you managing to do with that? Are you managing to sell some of these pieces to maybe raise some funds? Or is this just something that you're doing to um, vent and take out what's inside of you? Yeah, the, it all started uh, with the revolution because the, at the revolution, the, you know, my whole life is as a is strange as a foreigner i'm wrapped up in all of the dysfunction of the government you know it's like all of the kids at the home that i worked at and that i worked with every single day were there because of dysfunction you know in the government uh inside my own house there was the dysfunction of the government you know it's like akram has the issues that he does because you know of where he was raised and he can't leave with us because of the issues, you know and so it's like so my whole world was entwined with this however i recognize that it isn't my country and so there's a you know there's a kind of a dissonance there where i felt very sympathetic i felt very much a part of it but i also knew that it's not mine uh and so i went down on the first sunday and i was like i didn't know what i was going to do and i was like you know and i was like ah, should i go this is is this mine like i feel like i'm a part of it blah, blah, blah. and uh and finally i was you know, my Lebanese friends convinced me. They're like, what are you doing? What are you talking about? That's stupid. Go down with us. You know, and they're like, we want you to come down with us. I was like, okay. And, uh, and so I went and I decided to start drawing uh, the stuff I saw and just give it to whoever wanted it. So like to give to any organization, to give the image away, uh, you know, and I was like, that will be my part is to just kind of tell the story that I see and then just give the images away. And I started doing it and the response was really, quite positive so I just kept doing it uh and you know and it got you know it was all fun for the first bit you know there's people doing yoga on the ring and you know all this kind of you know like having having a grand old time you know and and I was drawing and kept drawing and learning more about all this stuff and uh and then whenever the real violence started happening and like real serious injustice things like around uh December in like mid-December where the first nights where they really were like, you know, like beating people and gassing, you know, and I was right in the front of everything, you know, so I was drawing there with all the photojournalists that had helmets on and all this stuff. And I'm sitting there drawing. <laughs> They're just like, like, what is this idiot doing? And I'm like, I don't know, you know, it's, <laughs> it's just a thing I do. And, uh, you know, 
and there and so there's like some pictures of me like on some news reels where it's like i've got like a gas mask on and i'm drawing and i mean it's, it's just crazy and um you know and i mean i had the police like you know get in my face like tear up my stuff you know they beat the hell out of the guys next to me like i helped carry off unconscious old men and stuff that they had been beaten you know and then it became really real that was like no more fun on yoga on the ring now this is like we saw what was really going on so then it felt really important to continue trying to tell that story and the drawings i felt captured a different thing than uh, you know than the the photographs because there's a million photographs and you know they're all you know many of them so excellent but i think that my drawings however non exact representational they're able to capture some something that a camera can't um uh, something got some un intangibles and so i found that people really res like responded to these images and I just, I kept making them. Um, and I kept really trying to, you know, like this was at the same time where I was, my wife made me take a break from the home. She was like, you're kind of going crazy. And I'm like, okay, you know, you need to, you need to, I had to learn about mental health, which was something I hadn't known anything about before. And so it turns out I had the mental health problem as well. And so I had to take a break from the home. And so I kept doing, you know, more and more of this, uh, these kind of documentary drawing kind of stuff. Um, and I found that people, there was something magical about the slowness and the drawing where it's kind of like, it's just something different than what they see on Instagram and they see all these beautiful pictures every day. Like here's this image that I drew and it's not even that great of this person, but somehow it connects with them in this other way. There's like this, this human to humanness that's, that happens different than an actual picture. And so I really started trying to investigate more of that and do more and more of it. And uh, funny enough, I started, I, I tried to start getting uh, jobs to say like, hey, can I be like a reporter, like a journal, you know, like a, like a visual journalist or whatever, you know, and no one had any idea what that was. There's a few people that do it in the world, but there, you know, there's, it's, I, I would contact all these magazines and they're like, what, you want to draw comics? I'm like, no, you know, and, uh, and, and so no one knew how to deal with me. And so I tried really, really hard to be, uh, you know, to do it the straight way, you know, to like go and properly ask and, you know, pitch stories and all that stuff. And I just kept getting turned down. And the few times I got, I was able to do it, they, you know, they, they graciously let me do it for free. And I'm like, man, this is not going to pay my bills very well. And, uh, and so then the art of change, which is the gallery that I work with, and I knew them through the revolution, they offered me a opportunity to have a, a solo show of all of the sketches for that year so this was all through the blast because I kept doing it through the blast I kept doing it all this stuff and so I had a, sol a solo show in October with them and during that time we kind of came up with an idea that said hey you know you've been doing this all this year during your your show why don't you do a a new piece challenge yourself to do a new piece new original piece every day and I was like, great, this sounds good. I had no idea what I was going to do. You know, this sounds good. Um, and I was like, so I was super depressed and in a massive funk. And my wife was like, just get out of the house. This is good. Uh, and, so, and, uh, and so we, you know, through with Art of Change, they really just kind of just created a nurturing environment for this. And I found my love for public art there because they were, that's what they mainly do is they work on public art and murals and things. And I just started learning about public art and the, the value that that has and so for me I was trying so hard to get my stuff seen on Instagram or get my stuff seen you know in these magazines and I was just and I, I just got pissed off and I just started drawing on the walls <laughs> and, and uh that's and hilarious I was like, Brady <laughs> yeah, I just, 
I just started drawing on walls, which is also kind of like a little indicative of how kind of crazy I was. And, uh, or am, but they, and, and so I was just drawing on the walls, you know, and they just kept going, Hey, that's good. Try this, try this. And so they just kept encouraging me and just providing me this space and just kind of as, as a mentor, um, art of change just really just kind of helped me come kind of get a vision for what uh, art can do for the similar things that I was interested in and telling stories of people, but doing it in, for, in ways where like, you know, Fauzi doesn't have an Instagram account and yeah. Fauzi isn't going to you know, go to a, a gallery or a museum. He's like, but he does live and work right in these dumpsters. But if yeah. I paint right there, then that, gets, that I can actually reach Fauzi. And actually, yeah. I, I can reach people who, who know Fauzi as well because I can challenge them on these things. And so I really just fell in love with that. And so that's really what I started doing. Um, and I, and well, I, we're I kept... grateful you're stuck here then. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, a, it's a really weird world. I, I actually, I'm, I'm yeah. Have you spoken I, with uh, Tom Young? Yeah, I'm from. Uh, yeah, I've actually I worked with Tom uh, periodically whenever at the home. He came and did programs yeah. with the home with the kids. Yeah, so, Tom's yeah, I'm a good friend of mine. And and uh, as you're talking, the only thing that I can see in my head is Tom. You know, this is exactly what Tom does. And yeah. uh, now that you're on the call with us, I mean, I'd love to set up a an email um, and see how us as Levon X can maybe help uh put your murals up put up your work and see if they can be um bought and we maybe we can do a virtual gallery oh, cool. i'd also like to put you in touch with the hague <laughs> projects that are working with artists in the country and are helping sell oh, their material as well so um i think there's reasons why we're on this call today i <laughs> you yeah, enlighten sure. me i help you so <laughs> <laughs> our relationship will continue after this podcast, but I think it's time to wrap things up. So I think our listeners has take, taken on a lot of information today. So for everyone who's listening, you can follow Brady at Brady Black on Instagram. And as you can see, he does have some work up. If you'd like to have a look, I'm sure if you DM him, he can get in touch. If there's anything you'd like to purchase to help him help these children, um, I'm sure he'll be very appreciative. And on our front as Levon X, we do function on donations in order to survive as well. So do head to LevonX.com, click the donate button and uh, every five pound helps. So Brady, thank you for being with us today. Much appreciative. My pleasure. I'll open up an email chain and see how we can create uh, some magic. Cool. Thanks so much. It's my pleasure to be here. Thank you. Have a wonderful day. Take care of yourself. <laughs>